And once again, good morning and welcome. <laughs> Folks, um, our, our, our passage this morning is it's actually a psalm. Uh, it's Psalm 10, uh, if you've got your Bible handy. Uh, psalm 10. And for some reason this morning I decided to bring the Bible that I was gifted when I became a Christian. I was using it this morning, I thought I'm going to take that um, and use it. It's Psalm 10. Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the village. From ambush he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed, they collapse, they fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. This is God's word and may he bless it to our hearts this day. Strangely enough, that psalm's a, a, in in the Reformed Church circles, it's a separate psalm. But in other Christian groups, um, I think the Roman Catholic Church and I think the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox Church, Psalm 9 and 10 are the one psalm. So they're joined together. But we don't, um, it really doesn't change it, I've got to be honest. (laughs) It just makes the psalm a bit shorter. It doesn't change it, the quality is still there, and the interest is still there. And it's a common refrain, this psalm's talking about, you know, the evil that's done in the world, and how do people that do the evil and commit evil, how do they get away with it, or the rest of it. And hopefully I can bring out some things from that today. Um, It sounds like quite a dark psalm, but it's not really. It isn't, it isn't, because it leads us to an answer somewhere. And it's like all tragedies. Any time we're faced with tragedy in life, I don't know about you guys, but any time we see what we call it unpunished evil or a tragedy, I always feel a bit helpless. My brain sort of tends to 
you know, if I hear something bad on the news, that my brain tends to go into a wee bit of a... It stutters for a wee bit before I can work out what this is all about. And when I was thinking about it, I realised it actually comes in two levels. See, when you hear about a natural disaster, right? we hear about natural disasters in life. I don't get that same sense of confusion. I don't get that. Because when a natural disaster happens, we automatically go, well, that's just, we blame on Mother Nature. We just go, that's nature, earthquakes happen. Things like that happen. And we're mind, although we, we absorb the magnitude of the disaster and death that comes with it, our minds can put it to rest. We don't, we don't know disturbed with it to, to the same level. We might be kicked into action and we go fundraising and we do different things like that. So when it comes to natural tra- tragedies and disasters and losses of human life, we tend to be able to settle them a bit easier. Then there's the other type of tragedy and disaster that we come across. It's the human created one. That's the big one. That's the one that causes me the most problems. That's the one that I can't really understand. That's the one that the psalmist is talking about. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand so far off when evil men do these things? And that's, that's, that's the bit that bothers me. You know, because when I hear of something horrible that's been committed by human beings, I always ask the one question. What about you guys? We ought to ask it differently. But I always go, Why? Why? And that probably is why you can never really put it to rest because it's a question that never gets answered. And another wee thing that I noticed about it is you see when we see these human created evil situations created by wicked and evil men and it's not just wicked and evil men it's wicked and evil women, I know. When these wicked and evil human created situations are they seem to embed in our souls and our minds a lot longer I'll put it this way I remember when I was young and I first became aware of the, the holocaust that happened during World War II the, the Jewish holocaust well it wasn't just the Jewish holocaust it was millions of people died in it why? when I hear about a terrorist bombing a, a market with a lot of civilians in it Okay, I usually say it in the Glasgow way. I go, what is that all about? But I'm really just saying why. I'm really just saying why. Even when it comes down to, you know, more individual problems. Like if I, if I hear a child being abused and maltreated and, and, and maybe dying, that one really gets me. I'm like, what, 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 what? And I'll say, what are these people all about? You know, and it, it creates that turmoil in me. The mugging of a pensioner I saw on the news last week there was an old boy who'd get mugged with these two hooligans the guy was in his 80s and I thought what what is going on and it's that why thing and the thing that jumped out at me was we embed these unanswerable evil human created situations in our mind but we don't embed the natural tragedies we can all tell you when the holocaust happened we can all tell you 9-11 the Twin Towers we can tell you stuff like that we all know about the murder of young Jamie Bulger the wee boy that all sticks with us can any of you tell me the date of the, the Indonesian tsunami 
well you would know because you'd be math <laughs> right but one, one out of how many you tell me how, what the date of the Haiti earthquake was Right? but do you get what I'm saying he only knows because he works directly with it I only know because I work directly with it nobody else embeds the natural disasters they embed the human evil and that sticks with them and it's because of that question why? because it never gets answered and that's exactly what the psalmist is doing What's the first two questions he asks? Why? Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself? And it made me think about it when I was reading it. Okay, what has prompted him to ask these two why questions? And if you've got your Bible in front of you, it'll help. It helps a big bit here. The first thing it prompts him to ask why is because he sees what's happening round about him. And he lists that. And he lists it and he says... He sees evil men committing deeds. Evil people attacking the weak in verse 2. In verse 3, evil people venerating greed. Verse 8, evil people ambushing and killing the weak. Right? Now, just, just to, to clarify something there, see that evil people ambushing and killing the weak? I know when you read that in the Bible, you've got a vision of some brigand behind a bush with a big sword and jumping out and ambushing somebody and killing them uh, it just doesn't mean that it means a modern interpretation of that would be somebody ambushing the weak would be the one that came to mind was drug dealers who deal to people and give them free samples to get them caught and get them in the system they've ambushed them they pull them in and before they know it they're killing them with the drugs killing them Right, that's the sort of ambush and killing the weak they're talking about. That sort of thing there. That they do that. So the thing that prompts them to ask the question, evil people attacking the helpless, verse nine, is he sees these acts, and this is what kicks him in the ass, why, why, why? But the other wee bit that he sees as well, and this is probably the more important bit, it's it's what he sees in the people who are committing evil deeds are doing wrongdoing. It's what he sees in them. And he actually lists more of that. Verse 2, evil people are arrogant. Verse 3, evil people openly display the excesses of their hearts. Basically do what they want. Verse 4, evil people proud. Verse 5, evil people are prospering for their evil. Verse 6, evil people are foul-mouthed and liars. He's actually more upset about who they are than what they've done. And think about that yourself when you hear about human things on the telly. Somebody kills a child. You've got more anger towards the, the person that's done it. Then, then the, first, the first thoughts usually go there. That's just a human thing. And it's seeing evil personalities in action that prompts them to ask these questions, why? So we need to look at it and say to ourselves, okay, it's the personalities that's prompting them to ask God why, but what is he actually asking God? Is he actually saying to him why are we all there? That's not what he's saying to him. He's saying to him, why are you not doing something about this? Why are you no sorting out? The, why are these people getting away with us? 
That's what he's saying. But he's making probably the biggest mistake that we all make when it comes to God. A questioning God. Questioning God. Asking God, why are you not dealing with bad people? Why are you not sorting them out right here and now? John Calvin puts up this. It is a mistake to think that if God doesn't act immediately, that he's doing nothing. It's the biggest mistake the psalmist makes. Why are you not acting on this, God? Why are you not dealing with it? I can imagine God be saying, this is none of your business. That's my business. Because the psalmist, like us, is looking at the people and only looks as if they're getting away with their evil deeds and their wickedness. It only looks like that. And evil people live like that. They keep doing the same stuff all the time, hurting people, injuring people, causing all sorts of problems. And people look and go, we all know it. I, I used to live up the street for an absolute hooligan. You always seen the house they had, and the cars they had, and the clothes they had. And that was for years and years and years. And I used to think, is there any justice in this world? And that's the mistake that we all make. We don't leave God to deal with them in his time. We don't leave God to deal with them in his time. We think if God doesn't act in our time, well, he's not acting at all. Which isn't the truth. But the key part of the passage is, why do evil people, how do evil people continue in their lives, and wicked people continue in their lives to do things? How do they actually live and believe that they're getting away with it? three it tells you in the passage verse 4 wicked people never think of God they just make a point I know thinking about them that's what they do and if they ever do think about God when they're getting up to their tricks they create a lie in their life they create a lie to cover it that's what they do and if God ever, ever, ever does truly see what they're doing, they actually believe he's going to forget about it. That's what it says in verse 11. Verse 11. God will forget about this. It's no big enough for God to remember my bad deeds. You know, people who continually commit wicked deeds against other human beings, they're a bit like small children. There was a great there was this part, a story I heard years and years ago, and it's so, so true. It's the story of a child being chased by a lion and it's running across the savannah and there's, nothing, there's no hiding place anywhere. And the child's running, 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 running. And then it sees a tree in the distance and it runs towards the tree. And it gets to the tree, but the tree's pretty thin and the lion's still coming. But it's the only hiding place it's got, so it hides behind the tree. But the lion's still, the lion's still coming. So what he does is he puts his face right up to the tree and he can't see the line. And if I can't see the line, the line can't see me. That's how evil people love. If I don't see God, he can't see me. And there's three wee principles in there that just don't apply to wicked people. It applies to us all. Because we are all sinners in the eyes of God. All of us. 
And if you're sitting up there thinking, because I'm standing up here reading for this and talking to this, that I'm not included, believe you me, I'm at the front of the queue with all the other sinners. That's the truth here. Every human being, the best is, are sinners in the eyes of God. And we use those three principles of not thinking about God, about trying to create a lie about our life with God, and that he'll not really remember that. My sins will be buried in the sands of time. And I want to look a wee bit at that. So the first one is, is they don't think about God. They just got people who we all, before we sin or before we do something we know we shouldn't be doing, we dismiss God somehow. We dismiss him. I put it as I don't watch the news anymore, right? I don't watch the news. And I don't read newspapers. And I used to be an avid news found. I used to oh, feed everything in. Feed everything in. I don't watch them anymore. Now it's only my opinion, but you can't get the truth in it. It's also influenced by propaganda and money and companies and the guy that owns a news company tells the story his way and all the rest of it. I just want to know what happened. Let me make up my own mind. So I've now got to the point where I don't listen to it. And I also don't listen to it because, I don't know about you guys, but I found that it was only ever negative news. There are good things happening out there, but nobody wants to report it because it, they don't think it's newsworthy. So we've got a whole country living on its nerves thinking that the world's coming apart. Right? So I don't watch it and I don't read the newspapers. Do you know something? I couldn't give you the name of one newsreader. I couldn't tell you the name of a newsreader now. See, when I watched the news when I was younger, I could tell you every newsreader and what channel they were on and what news they were on. I could tell you even newspaper reporters. I mean, for us oldies here, I remember Reginald Bosenkey, remember him? Yep. Sandy Gall, yep. Alec Choi, all of them. Angela Ritten. I couldn't tell you who was a newspaper. You know why? Because I don't watch the news. I don't read newspapers. And you know something? See, if you don't read the Bible, you'll forget about who God is. You'll not remember who he is. And see, if you don't come to watch the news, which is the big service in church, you'll forget who he is. If you don't read about God, and you don't come and listen to him, you will forget who he is. You will dismiss him out your reality. And as soon as you dismiss God out your reality, you are now ripe for walking down a bad road it's put really simple if you don't have God in your life you will walk the dark path end of no ifs, maybes, ah but I'm a good person deep down inside no, you're going to go down the dark road you're going to lose everything so that's the first principle dismissing God for your life like the wicked people do the other one is creating a lie within ourselves, and including me in this, that God can't see what I've just done. God didn't see me just gossiping about that woman, or bad-mouthing that person, or stealing their bin bags out of the work. See, what we do is we create a wee lie. We create a wee lie there. Do you know, when I was doing this as well, I was thinking back to, can you remember, I was back in 2003, February 2003, 
Do you remember the American Secretary of State, Colin, we, we would call him Colin Powell, but he's, he calls himself Colin, or Colin Powell, right? We call him Colin Powell. And he went to the United Nations, and he had a wee vial with him, right? And he said, several months ago, a tablespoon for anthrax was put in an envelope and sent, and it shut down the whole American Senate for weeks or something like that. Enough that's in this wee vial here. This wee vial of anthrax could shut down the whole Senate. Saddam Hussein has 23,000 litres of this. And in that moment, he created a lie that unleashed a war that we're still living with the consequences of. Now, I'm not interested in the rights or wrongs or the politics or why we should. I'm, that's no my, my bat's what God says. But that man himself says to the day that is the biggest blot on his career, the day he gave that speech. And he put his hand up to it. That was a lie. Okay, he put his hand up and says, I was getting that information, it's obviously a lie. But it unleashed a war. That wee vile story had evil behind it. Now that's the big national standard of how to do that. We ought to do it another way. We hide it between the solids, you know, the wee lie. We do something, and then we say, ah, oh, but I mean, you deserved it. Or we take something that we're not supposed to take, and we go, ah, oh, well, they weren't using it anyway. You know, or the big classic, ah, nobody will notice. The same principles that the big wicked evil people do. <laughs> We utilize. We tell a lie to blind God. We tell a lie in a way that we think we've thrown a big blanket over ourselves and God can't see what we're up to. I'm here to tell you, God's got x ray eyes, He can see everything. He can see everything. So before we go to get up to things, all human people, we dismiss God. And then just as we're about to do it, we throw a big lie over the top of it. Now, after all that, well, no, I'll stay on this now, right? I'll stay on this because there's something there. Do you know another... There's another form of that lie. There's the obvious negative lie. But there's also the good lie. To cover our behaviour. One of the biggest lies that's used is love for doing things that are wrong. It's particularly in the modern world, if you, if you, if you slap love, if it's done out of love on anything, you'll get away with it. Give an example. There are clearly a biblical, unbiblical relationships going on in the world today. Relationships that the Bible frowns upon and clearly states are not the way God wants it. If you slap a big old, I bet it's love. <laughs> there are churches in our country who excuse those unbiblical relationships because it says love on it they're another lie to cover a sin God will not notice it because it's love and God is love right we also do it with holiness I saw an interesting thing the other day you know it's a lot harder it's a lot sorry it's a lot easier to be orthodox than it is to be loving right Holy people, I'm a holy person, like the Pharisees, I'm a holy people who treat other people harshly because they're acting from holiness. Yeah. 
I'm a holy person. Right? Now that same area of unbiblical relationships. I remember when the the big thing of debate about, you know, gay marriage in the church and all that. I'm clear on my position on it, right? I'm clear on that. I take a biblical position. That's me. Right? But, here's what I need to say to you. The treatment of our homosexual brothers and sisters by people in the church through that period was nothing short of despicable. Brothers and sisters, human beings who God has asked, take the gospel, take the message, take it to them, were spoken about as if they were filth. As if they were somehow less than human. All from a position of holiness. And that used to break my heart. Thankfully, it's been now understood. And many churches are trying to work back for that. Right? We hold a position in the scripture. <laughs> You've got to love people where they are. You've got to be there for them. So there you go. There another clever lie. I'll hide my nastiness and kick these people under holiness. That's what the wicked people do. That's what they do. And then the best bit. The third one. So we dismiss God from our lives so that we can carry on with our sinfulness. Or we cover our sinfulness with a clever lie. The best one is... He'll somehow forget about it. <laughs> Bear in mind, this guy's eternal. This guy's got all the time in the universe to remember everything. What I'd done when I was ten is still fresh in his memory. <laughs> a sin that's committed today will still be as fresh to him in a billion years from now. It'll not have faded. He doesn't fade. He doesn't go any different. You know, I was watching a movie and it was quite good that's when I was working on this and it was about the FBI were chasing this assassin and they had to get a specialist in to chase this assassin guy and that and it was just a piece of a cop story and the head of the FBI calls in this girl and he sits her down and he says right we're after this guy da, 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 da. how's the job going? she's like oh the job's great and all that and you like the job ah you're really good and that and she says oh I am brilliant I'm brilliant and things like that he says, what about this? And he spins on his, his laptop screen and there's a picture of her in the jail. <laughs> She's an FBI agent. She's got a jail number underneath her. See, when she was 18, she was into drugs and guns and all the rest of it and she got caught and she got put in jail. And then she came out of jail and she started to change her life and built a whole new life and was now a top FBI agent. And had forgot all about all that. She told a lie. And the guy says to her, do you know that telling a lie about no being a criminal on a federal form is an offence? And she starts to greet. She thought because it all happened when she was 17, 18, everybody would forget about it. There's two people I'll never forget. God and the tax man. Right? They never forget. So if, like myself, that was my, that was tended to be my chosen form of dealing with my sinfulness, bury it in the sands of time. Bury it in the sands of time. God will remember. You can't fool him. He'll never forget. He won't forget about it. 
So the three, the three principles that we all use, which the psalmist talks about, is don't think of God, which means don't go to service, don't pray, don't read your Bible. Cover your behaviour with a, a good lie, and God will let you away with it. No, he won't. And believing that God's going to forget what you've done. <laughs> I think that's the biggest, well, that's the biggest joke, that one. He's never forgetting, he's eternal. He forgets nothing. He knows everything. So what's our options? That's what we've developed to deal with our wrongdoing. That's our really clever, mixed up way of dealing with it. <coughs> Going to offer you an easier way here. Much, much easier way. God loves you. God loves you in such a way that your heart isn't big enough to hold it. God loves you so much, so, so much, that he was prepared to give of himself. To give himself so that you don't have to go through all the hoops to deal with your sinful life. And he gave his son. So it's all the lies, and all the stuff you've buried in the sand, and all the ignorance you've done. His son took that on himself on a cross. He said, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how insane it is. I don't care how evil it is. I will take it. I will pay the price. And that's what happened on the cross. He took all our sin, everything that we've done wrong, onto himself and faced death for it. That's what God done for us. You don't need to jump through all the hoops. You don't need to tell all the lies to do wicked things. All you need to do is turn to God who loves us so, so dearly. It's a love that we just don't have any comprehension of, but believe it. If you keep walking in the path of light with him, you will sense it. You will feel it. It's not easy moving from a life of darkness to a life of light. Because it always wants to claw you back. Nice and easy at the start and then big grabs. The options are, day or day things, are loving God's love. And the only way you find out about God's love is if you come here and you open that. And then you get to hear about him. The one who died on a cross for you. If we don't nurture that, God, that love of God in our lives, we will surely walk down a dark road. We will. But Jesus Christ has saved us for that. He has saved us for a lost life. He saved us for darkness. That we don't have to be in that place anymore. We don't have to be jumping through hoops to get into heaven. We don't have to do that because Jesus loves us and gave his life that can, we can be with him and with God forever. And you just need to turn around and say to him, okay, come into my heart. Come into my heart, God. I want you. Hopefully, we can all catch ourselves before we dismiss God, before we tell him a lie, or before we hide my behaviour in the sands of time. And round day that turn and say, God, please forgive me. And here's the beautiful thing about it. See when we carry our sins to God and say, Look, I actually done this. He's already forgiven us. 
He has already forgiven us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in, in our selfish and frightened humanity, we often try and find ways of, of getting around the, your law, the law of God. We do it out of fear. We do it out of shame. That we try to avoid your gaze. To avoid your justice. The truth is, Father, we can never ever do that. All we do is fool ourselves. Like the child hiding behind the thin tree. We will face justice one day. But Father... I pray that we face your justice and our only answer is Jesus. I have no reply. We have no reply other than Jesus. When we are asked why on the judgment day, there is no answer. All I can cling to, all we can hold on to and cling to is Jesus. And we lift his name. For he is the one who took the sin of the world upon himself. He is the one who faced the horrors of darkness upon his body. Upon that cross. And went to the grave. So that I can walk in heavenly light. That I can walk in heaven. For all eternity. And will never have to fear again. Will never have to lie. Will never have to maneuver and manipulate my life. Heavenly Father. Your love for us is so great. That you would give your son. To save me. Glory be to you Father. Glory be to your son. Glory be to the Holy Spirit. We thank you God. For everything that you have given us. But we ask that you keep us. You keep us safe. In your son our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we are not tempted. To walk in the dark path. And to behave in a wicked and cruel way. And that we follow the greatest commandment. After loving you. That we love one another. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.